the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. How do you not love Joe Kennedy? And I'm not talking about Joe, uh, the father of the Kennedy boys, uh, you know, John, Robert, and Teddy. He was a gangster who was pretty good friends with Al Capone. Talking about uh, Senator Joe Kennedy from Louisiana. Anytime I see his mug pop up on TV, I will make a point to stop and listen. Yesterday, he was questioning David Chipman, who's been nominated by the big guy to be the head of ATF. Senator Joe just wanted to know Chipman's definition of an assault weapon. Listen to this. ATF director. Um, I got 35 seconds left. Define it for me, would you please, sir? Um, What's an assault weapon? Yeah, Senator, uh, um, the bill uh, to ban assault what, weapons is, what is your dozens of pages. Of There's weapon. no way I could define an assault weapon. You don't have any. You're going to run an a, this agency, and you don't have a definition of assault weapon. But I would be enforcing the definition that members. Yeah, but you're going to be passed. issuing rules and regulations. Just give me your definition. Um, I'll give you one definition that ATF. Give me your definitions. One definition that ATF currently. Give me your definition. I can give you one definition. If you won't answer my question, how can I vote for you? I'm done, Mr. Chairman. I don't think I'm going to get an answer. What a weasel. This is a guy who wants to ban AR-15s, and I guess all guns that he considers to be assault weapons, and he can't during an interview for a job that requires him to oversee laws about guns. This guy, he can't describe what an assault weapon is. Of course, he could if he wanted to. He just doesn't want to be put on the record because he's a weasel. That's what he is. When we come back, we're going to talk to an expert on the Second Amendment and guns about the prospect of having this idiot running ATF. Stick around. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof, or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. That offer's valid through 63021. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsoruspittsburgh.com. That's windowsoruspittsburgh.com. Through generations of fighting, anger, and pain, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is still one of the most contentious and misunderstood issues of our time. Raising the question, is it possible to truly love your enemy? In the new film, Hope in the Holy Land, Filmmaker Todd Moorhead discovers the truth behind the headlines and misinformation with personal stories from Jews, Muslims, and Christians in their own words, offering a beautifully produced, politically nuanced, and morally sensitive look at both sides of the conflict. Bishop Kenneth Ulmer says the movie is embarrassingly enlightening. Ambassador Michael Oren calls it a candid, courageous journey through the complexities of the conflict. Hope in the Holy Land takes an honest look at the history and history in the making as you've never seen before. Don't miss Hope in the Holy Land. Available now at SalemNow.com. Watch this film and pass it on. Go to SalemNow.com today. Have you heard? Rodents are taking over. 
According to various news articles, recent COVID-19 related disruptions have caused abnormal behaviour in rodents, making them become more aggressive. Don't let your home or business be invaded with a disease-carrying rodent infestation. Keep them away with plug-in pest free. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-in Pest Free. Using the active wiring in your home or business, Plug-in Pest Free goes to work keeping rodents and pests away the more humane way without using toxic poisons or other harsh pesticides. Just plug it in. It's that simple. Now that's fair income. Stop the infestation and order yours today at gopestfree.com and receive a free hand sanitizer pen with every order using promo code INC. That's go pestfree.com promo code INK go pestfree.com promo code INC don't sprain regret plug in and forget hey I'm Andy if you don't know me it's probably because I'm not famous but I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's the idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades most brands were overpriced overdesigned and out of touch at Harry's our approach is simple here's our secret We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com code 3388. Enjoy. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Now, just in case you missed it during the open, I want you to, uh, and I think you'll like hearing it again anyway, check out this exchange between Senator Joe Kennedy and uh, Mr. Chipman, who's been nominated to run the ATF. ATF director. Um, I got 35 seconds left. Define it for me, would you please, sir? Um, What's an assault yeah, weapon? Yeah, Senator, uh, um, the bill uh, to ban assault what, weapons is what is your dozens of pages. Of There's no way I could define an assault weapon. You don't have any. You're going to run an a- this agency, and you don't have a definition of assault weapon. But I would be enforcing the definition that members yeah, of Congress going to be passed. issuing rules and regulations. Just give me your definition. Um, I'll give you one definition that ATF. Give me your definitions. One definition that ATF currently. Give me your definition. I can give you one definition. If you won't answer my question, how can I vote for you? I'm done, Mr. Chairman. I don't think I'm going to get an answer. (laughs) That was his answer. What a pathetic weasel. Uh, Amy Schwer is a uh, fellow for legal and judicial studies at the Heritage Foundation. Her uh, area of expertise is the Second Amendment and guns. She joins us now. Amy, good to have you back on the show. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you so much for having me. So uh, what was your reaction to that? ridiculous embarrassing exchange uh well my reaction is is simply this look i i'm not running uh I, you know i am i'm not nominated for the head of the atf to enforce gun laws uh but if right. you gave me 30 seconds to define assault weapon here it goes it's a commonly owned semi-automatic firearm that contains certain uh cosmetic features such as pistol grips a uh, barrel shrouds or collapsing stocks that some people find to be scary but that have nothing to do with that gun's lethality <laughs> there i did it and i'm not <laughs> running for head of the atf um, yeah. You know, th- this is this is sort of disingenuous for an individual who worked for the ATF for a long time, now serves as a gun control lobbyist advocating for bans on assault weapons, who wants to run the agency that would be tasked with enforcing a ban on assault weapons. Um, and he's going to play this game of, you know, I, I either don't know or am refusing to define assault weapons for the American public. Um, it's, it's just silly. Uh, do, do you think this guy doesn't know what an assault weapon is, or do you think he knows that there really is no such thing officially? Well, you know, and, and that's the question, right? Is it just gross incompetence that he really doesn't know what it is he's you know, advocating a ban for? 
but I think it is more likely that he absolutely knows what an assault weapon is, what he didn't want to do there. This was sort of a tactical smokescreen. He didn't want to get into um, this part of a conversation where he has to explain that, you know, the, the, the things that define assault weapons from the, the types of firearms he wouldn't ban, you know, the, the, the difference between guns he would ban and wouldn't ban are simply things like pistol grips and barrel shrouds and not things, you know, uh, like lethality or rate of fire or caliber or anything like that that wouldn't make sense to ban. Uh, and he didn't want to back himself into that hole. And, and so it, it appears to me to be a tactical smokescreen, not that that's any better than him not knowing the definition, um, but that I, I would give him the benefit of the doubt there that he was trying to protect himself from an embarrassing exchange by simply playing dumb. Yeah, I, I mean, could it just he doesn't want to be on the record for anything? Because so many of these hearings are just a, a waste of time anyway, because any tough question is just avoided or unanswered. Uh, and uh, the people who are going to vote for the person votes for that person regardless of what the answer is. So is it all just a, a, a whole thing, just a charade and meaningless? In this case, especially, I mean. Well, look, I, I, I think there is definitely some use to, to these hearings. Certainly, you, you want to put the nominee on the record. You want to make sure that he is competent. You, know, you, you want to better delve into um, sort of his, his idea of how the Second Amendment works, how the agency works, and, and how he would sort of you know head that agency. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I don't think anything we were going to hear from David Chipman was going to be too surprising. He's a very public record and persona of, you know, advocating for bans on on things like AR-15s. He's made headlines before. His disdain for for many of America's tens of millions of gun owners is well known. Uh, he mocked, you know, the, the 8 million or so Americans who bought firearms in 2020, you know, asking, what are they afraid of zombies and, and calling them Tiger King. So, you know, on, on the one hand, um, it, it's useful, but on the other hand, I, I'm not sure we're learning anything new. I, I think, you know, going through this, I think it amplifies a lot of the same concerns that um, Second Amendment advocates have long had uh, from the moment his name came up. Um, you know, I'm not sure whether it's going to change any minds, perhaps with maybe a couple senators who are on the fence, um, but who, who knows at that point. He, uh, he has said that he would ban the AR-15 because it's uh, particularly lethal. How much more lethal is an AR-15 than any other rifle? Well, and, and that's sort of the point, and I think that's also why he didn't want to get into defining what is or is not an assault weapon. Um, but but this is an absurd premise, this idea that uh, he would justify banning the AR-15 because it's particularly lethal. There's nothing particularly lethal about the AR-15 compared to any other type of rifle that would still be permitted. Uh, because, again, assault weapons, that, that category, it's not based on any sort of you know, notion of stopping power or caliber or muzzle velocity. It's, does, it, does it have a pistol grip? You know, does it have a collapsing stock? Am I going to burn my hand on the barrel or can I have a barrel shroud? Um, you know, those are largely cosmetic and, and comfort-based. You know, it's not affecting. You take that same gun, take the pistol grip off, it's going to cause the same amount of damage. And at the end of the day, that's the point, right? It, the, one of the major points of having a firearm is that it is lethal, that it causes damage, whether it is in self-defense, whether it is hunting, whether it is in war. Um, you know, these are things that are just innate and inherent uh, to the nature of the gun. And, and so, you know, again, I think these are the things he doesn't want to get into these conversations uh, and sort of flesh this out because it undermines um, all of the points he makes to justify banning a particular type of AR-15 versus a different type of the same gun. Kind of like being particularly pregnant? <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's kind of like saying, you know, my, my car with the same engine is a particularly, you know, lethal or fast type of car because, you know, it, it, it has you know, wings on the back of it or something. You know, it's, it's right. the same engine, it's the same car, it's the same, you know, we're, we're dealing with largely cosmetic things at this point. Now, what would an AR-15 ban look like, uh, and how would it be enforced? Well, so it would seem to be, at least from uh, what we heard from Chipman, you know, under, under David Chipman's idea of an AR-15 ban, what, what he is advocating for um, would be sort of reintroducing the ban we saw in the 90s, where there would be a ban on, on future sales. You could keep 
the 10 or 15, they're, they're so dangerous, you know, that, that you can keep the 10 or 15 million that, that we already have, yeah. apparently. Um, but then you'd have to register it as you would a fully automatic machine gun under the NFA. So basically, you'd have to pay the government $400 and go through, um, you know, some sort of expensive background check for the gun you already paid for and already passed a background check for. But, you know, just, just to make sure, we, we'd have to register it with the government. Um, and that, that seems to be sort of his view of it. Um, but again, there, there's various types depending on who you ask of, you know, what would an assault weapons ban look like? Um, but my understanding is Chipman does not go all the way to, you know, Australian style confiscation. And it's just sort of confiscation over time um, as, as people, you know, pass away or get rid of their guns and, and you can't get more of them. Yeah. Um, and um, the AR-15 is, how does that, how does that, um, apply to the to the second amendment if if you believe that the second amendment is for uh for for what i believe it's for which is to protect against government tyranny and that that, you know the the population should have the ability to be armed um isn't the ar-15 more um uh, fitting for the uh for the second amendment than than uh uh any kind of a gun if, if that's if you believe that that's what the Second Amendment is for, of course it should be a a pretty powerful weapon, shouldn't it? Right, absolutely. So again, I, I think you're right. You sort of put aside the reality that you know the the moniker assault weapons is is silly. There's no real distinction there. Um, you know, you put all that aside, and at the end of the day, you're you're right that these sorts of guns, these semi-automatic, you know. Uh, Small arms, essentially, um, that that are very useful in civilian purposes, but that are also useful, you know, for for more times of war, for communal defense. These are the very types of weapons that lie at the core of the Second Amendment. These are the exact same modern types of, you know, the the, the soldiers who would show up to militia duty with their brown bath muskets um, or, or their Kentucky long rifles or, or their, their pistols that they had for hunting or self-defense that they would then also show up to military duty with. Um, this falls into that exact same category. This is the very type of gun, you know, and, and in the hearing, Chipman says, look, I think Heller, you know, the the, the the eminent, you know, Second Amendment case from 2008. He says, I think Heller was rightly decided. But then he turns around, you know, Heller talks about protection of commonly used weapons by law-abiding citizens for lawful purposes. That's the AR-15. And then he turns around and says, well, I want to ban that. Um, so just yeah. a lot of things that don't match up in, in what he says he believes and then what he advocates for. We're talking to Amy Schwer. She's a uh, fellow for legal and judicial studies at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, I got to ask you, if we take a little break from the questioning here for one second, Amy, um, uh, how is it that you came, became an expert on guns? When did you uh, become exposed to guns? For, was it when you were a little kid? You get into it later in life? What, how, how, how is it that you uh, are a gun expert? Well, this is something that uh, you know happened to me later in life. I actually had sort of the unique experience of getting into firearms, both you know personally and and then just the way that that my career uh, ended up taking. You know, I, I was the one who then turned around and, and got the rest of my family into it um, in, instead of you know growing up and, and learning about it from my family. Um, so it's it's definitely uh, something that I, I think. Um, you know, I think it's basically the experience of, of a lot of Americans who are, you know, who didn't necessarily grow up with guns, but are, you know, as they become adults are looking around um, at just the reality of nature, you know, the the, the reality yeah. of, of how fragile civil society can be, uh, the reality of, of how fragile our own self-defense is and, and saying, but, you know, th- there is a reason for this. There is, there is a reason uh, that... You know, we protect the right to keep and bear arms so that our right to self-defense, either as individuals against criminals, you know, as, as communities against um, insurrection or, or um, you know, riots, whether it's nations against tyrannical governments, without that right to keep and bear arms, that right to self-defense means nothing. You know, congratulations, you have a right to self-defense, but no means of carrying it out. Um, yeah. So I, I sort of had the, the backwards approach there um, as I became an adult. And and so you didn't grow up in a family of of hunters where the guns you had guns around all the time and you went hunting and went shooting and did that stuff as a kid or anything like that. No, no, I, I absolutely not. Um, you know, we we weren't 
anti-gun or, or anything yeah. of, of that nature. I just wasn't a thing that, that was part of the, the culture that either my parents grew up in um, or, or that we grew up in. Um, but, you know, again, it, it's been interesting sort of turning around and then, you know, pull, pulling the whole family in. I, I always joke, you know, I got my dad into shooting and now he has a bigger arsenal than I do, and it's not fair. <laughs> uh. Yeah, my, I have uh, I, I have uh, my kids um, – who own guns, and I'd, I've never f- held a loaded gun in my hand in my life. I've never shot a gun in my life, but I'm very much a, a Second Amendment person, and um, I've come closer to, as the days have gone on here, uh, I keep, as I get older for some reason, I keep thinking more and more about uh, the idea that maybe I should get a gun. You live in Washington, D.C., okay? I, mm-hmm. I assume that's where your area code is. Are you in Washington? Um, so I, I live in, in the area, um, but okay. I, I work in D.C. Thank you. Okay. So how important is it for you, especially as a woman, how important is it, do you think, for a woman to uh, be armed in Washington, D.C.? Do you think it's a good idea? Oh, I, I, look, I, I think it's a good idea for, for all responsible Americans to arm themselves. But I, I, I will tell you this, um, you know, this is actually one of sort of the deciding factors when I first bought a firearm. Um, when I was in law school, I was clerking at a public defender's office um, and seeing for the first time, you know, whether it's, it's clients who are mad at you and, and threatening you or, or whether it's, you know, just seeing the, the threats that are out there in, in just the world, you know, in, in otherwise nice suburban neighborhoods. Um, but seeing that for the first time and being confronted with some of the, those fears of, oh, my goodness, no, that this happens to real people who are really unable to defend themselves. Um, whether it's because they're outnumbered or they're they're overpowered, um, you know that was one of the the deciding factors for me, um, and I, I think it is it is definitely something that um, you know when properly exercised, uh, you know when you are responsible and learn how to handle a gun confidently, uh, it's certainly right. something that is empowering, um, especially for women, especially for anyone who feels you know that that they're likely to be put in a position where they're going to be you know outnumbered or cops won't be there to protect them or they'll be left on their own. Um, it, it's certainly empowering. Now, we're talking to Amy Schwer. She's a, a fellow for legal and judicial studies at the Heritage Foundation. Her expertise is the Second Amendment and guns. And uh, talking about uh, the hearing yesterday for uh, David Shipman, who wants to be head, head of the ATF, he also wants to ban suppressors, uh, Amy. Is a suppressor the same as a silencer? And why would he want to ban them? Well, so the the words are sort of interchangeable. Um, you know, they they sort of refer to the same thing. But I, I think the term silencer is is sort of a misnomer. I, I think it, it it misleads a lot of people. Uh, they get this idea of you know you you put a silencer or suppressor on a gun and you know all of a sudden you know it's you know they, like they see in the movies where it's just. You know, this, it's actually silent. What they yeah. do is, um, if you've ever been to a gun range or you've ever, you know, been next to a gun when it's fired, it's very loud. Um, I think the decibel mm-hmm. level um, is, is about the same as a, a jumbo jet taking off. So what a suppressor mm-hmm. does is it takes that, that decibel level down to the nice, calming decibel level of about a jackhammer. Um, you know, there, there's no mistaking uh, the, the, the fact that, you know, if you're shooting with a silencer or a suppressor, um, that there is a gun going off. It's not going to hide crime. But what it does is, whether, whether you're shooting a lot um, and you're using ear protection and you're worried about losing your hearing, or whether you're worried about, you know, if someone breaks into my house and they were already in sort of a chaotic, terrifying situation, um, you know, you, you want to reduce that, that chaos and, you know, losing your own hearing, busting an eardrum because you're firing inside of your apartment. Um, so it's really, you know, the people who want these suppressors, uh, what they're actually wanting is to protect their own hearing when they're exercising their right to keep and bear arms lawfully. Um, it, it's really not that much um, of a good use you know, for the overwhelming majority of crimes. You know, they're not going to hide their crimes with a suppressor, um, but a lot of law-abiding citizens are going to be able to protect their hearing um, you know, and, and sort of be able to protect their, their wits and their, their whereabouts during life-or-death situations with these tools. Um, so I think there's just a lot of misinformation out there. Um, and I, I think, you know, a lot of people like David Chipman will sort of use uh, Americans' general ignorance about that um, to make them, you know, again, think, well, 
know, we, we have to ban suppressors, which are already heavily regulated, by the way. They're not easy to get. Um, but that if, you know, this is the thing that's going to stop gun violence um, is if we ban this. Um, and it's just not true. I got I got 15 seconds, Amy. Uh, what's it going to do for gun sales if this guy gets uh, appointed? Well, I'd say gun sales would go through the roof, but they're already going through the roof. The problem is we don't have enough guns for the people who want to buy them all at this point. So um, <laughs> I, I think you will see an increased uh, interest, but um, you know, gun sales are probably going to continue uh, increasing for the foreseeable future regardless. Hey, Amy, I really appreciate it. Every time you come on, you really clear things up for me. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Okay, that's Amy Schwer of the Heritage Foundation. We'll be right back. SRN News. I'm John Scott. The U.S. economy is rebounding from the pandemic, with some economists forecasting the strongest annual gain since the 1950s. The Commerce Department's reporting that the U.S. economy grew at a robust rate, 6.4 percent in the first three months of this year. The introduction of vaccines for the coronavirus and nearly $3 trillion in government support have been aiding the recovery from last year's pandemic recession. Spending by consumers grew at a sizzling rate of 11.3 percent, but that was offset by a decline in U.S. exports. Economists believe that the gross domestic product could top 10 percent in the current quarter. The Commerce Department also reported that during Durable goods orders dropped unexpectedly in April. A shortage of computer chips is disrupting auto production. Jennifer King, Washington. On Wall Street, stocks have been higher throughout most of today's session. The Dow up 109 points. The Nasdaq, eight points higher. This is SRN News. I have a traumatizing childhood memory of an Easter egg hunt. The big hunt was a big deal in our family. And I have this memory of running and excitedly reaching for eggs only to have my big brother and sister sweep in and steal them at the last second. It's Ryan, and unfortunately, this is a traumatizing reality our Faith and Family Mortgage Team is seeing from families across the country. Families are finding their dream home, only to have it pulled away by another hunter at the last second. At United Faith Mortgage, we unfortunately cannot scare off the other hunters, but we can very quickly get you pre-approved and make it look as good as possible to sellers. And then, once you do grab that Easter egg... See our story and read how our direct lender advantage can often save your family monthly and lifelong money at unitedfaithmortgage.com. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Metal Park Road, Metal, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to animalistconsumeraccess.org. Corporate animalist number 1335. Rack animalist number 65233. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. AM 1250, The Answer. AM 1250, The Answer.com. Hugh Hewitt. The Hugh Hewitt Show. Back from the Republican Governors Association, I have to catch up on our regular guests. So Michael Oren joins us from Israel. Congressman Mike Gallagher from the Hill. Sonny Bunch from his bunker. And, of course, Dr. Larry Arn. All of that and more on the Friday edition of The Hugh Hewitt Show. Hugh Hewitt. Weekday mornings at 6, right before Mike Gallagher at 9 on AM 1250, The Answer. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy and Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do. To protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law. Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. If you're thinking of replacing your carpets due to pet stains and odors, you must try Genesis 950. The reviews are amazing, as this is one product that actually works. With water, it breaks down the bonds of stains and odors, so they're gone for good. Its antibacterial component removes pet odors from carpet and padding. It can be used in a carpet cleaning machine, and it's green, so it's safe for your family and pets. Genesis 950 is made in America. If you are tired of pet cleaners that don't work, it's time to buy Genesis 950. One gallon of industrial strength Genesis 950 makes up to seven gallons of cleaner. But Genesis 950 is not just for pet stains. It's great for bathrooms, kitchens, floors, upholstery, and grease stains. Consider Genesis 950 before purchasing new carpets. Genesis 950 has great customer service. Order one gallon direct at Genesis950.com to receive a free spray bottle, free shipping, and $10 coupon using code PETS. That's $10 coupon using code PETS. That's Genesis950.com. Discount only available at Genesis950.com. Genesis 950, much cheaper than replacing your carpets. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck 
in traffic? We've got the answer. On the Parkway East, seen plenty of delays, lots of congested from Forest Hills to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Second Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge all backed up there, speeds down to single digits in some spots. Parkway West outbound slows Banksville Road to Carnegie and also seeing a plenty of delays from Green Tree to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. On 79 northbound, the on-ramp from Grand Avenue shut down with construction. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer, weather. It'll be cloudy most of the time tonight with a low of 58. Periods of rain tomorrow. We'll see a thunderstorm late in the day. Expect a high tomorrow of 70. Saturday will be mostly cloudy and cooler with a little rain. Saturday will reach a high of 56. Sunday we'll see a chance for a shower at a high of 61. Mostly sunny Memorial Day Monday, a pleasant day, the high 72. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. First of all, the guy I love is not Joe Kennedy, it's John Kennedy, as in, you know, like in John F. Kennedy. I've always been terrible with names, but I I called Senator Kennedy Joe Kennedy, but I apologize for that. Anyway, for most of us uh, here in western PA, the Mexico-Texas border, it may as well be uh, on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. We hear and we see what's going on down there, but it doesn't affect us much on a daily basis. John Daniel Davidson is the political editor at The Federalist. He lives in Texas and has written about some pretty nasty stuff that very few people see and very few people are aware of, and he joins us now. John, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So the byline on your story is uh, uh, is uh, Falfurious, Texas. I can't say that I've ever heard of that. Where is it? That's right. That's about 70 miles north of the Texas-Mexico border in a place called Brooks County, which is a very sparsely populated uh, stretch of land, mostly ranch land, uh, and a small town, Felferius, of about 4,000 people. And, and that's about it. Um, but it is a, it's a flashpoint in, uh, in the debate over illegal immigration because of how much traffic goes through there. Yeah, who's coming through there, and what's, what makes that going through there attractive to, to the illegal immigrants? Sure. A lot of people don't realize that beyond the actual U.S.-Mexico border are uh, about uh, uh, 33 permanent Border Patrol checkpoints that are further inland. So about 70 miles north of the border, in the t- just south of the town of Falfurius, is a Border Patrol checkpoint. So all northbound traffic coming up Highway 281 has to go through a checkpoint and get inspected. And uh, if, you, if you've never been down close to the border, you wouldn't know that. But, uh, but that's true all up and down the 2,000-mile U.S.-Mexico border there are these interior border patrol checkpoints and uh the busiest busiest one and the biggest one is in Felfurius, uh and that's the checkpoint that um adult migrants have to get around before they can get into the country free and clear getting over the borders is the first step second step is to get through that checkpoint so that what they do is try to hike around it or drive around it through back roads and ranch lands um sometimes people get lost out there and sometimes they die yeah, so th- this isn't about kids in cages in, in Falfurrias. No. no, this is about adults who are trying to evade capture and not and and avoid law enforcement. And right now, what people don't realize also is the vast majority of uh, illegal uh, immigrant apprehensions at the border are not families and children; it's single adults. Uh, last month in April, it was about one hundred and seventy-eight thousand apprehensions. 111,000 were adults, and those are people who are not claiming asylum and who are generally trying to evade capture. Yeah, that uh, that's, you know, as your piece points out, this is uh, this is something that not many people are aware of is going on down there, unless maybe you live right in that area. Um, that's right. But, but it's, um, uh, it's it, 111,000 of these people are adults. Um, are, these, are these nice people? Many of them, or who are these people? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, some. Of, it, it's like any other group of 111,000 adults you might yeah. find anywhere in the world. Some of them are right. nice. Some of some of them are convicted felons, and the reason they're trying to uh, uh, hide from law enforcement is because they have already have felony convictions. So if they get caught 
entering the country illegally again, um, then that's another felony conviction. They have to serve their time and then get deported. Um, some of them are, are straight up criminals and cartel members and gang members. And some of them, and, and honestly, probably the vast majority of them are just people who left their families in Mexico or Central America, and they're trying to get into the United States to work and send money home. They're not claiming asylum because they know they don't have a chance. They're economic migrants. They're coming here for work. Right. Now, uh, so this is, it's not about kids in cages, but according to your story, it's about dead bodies, a lot of them. That's right. The conditions in Brooks County are incredibly harsh. It's hard if you haven't been there to understand just how harsh the landscape is. It's already here in late May uh, in the 90s every day. When we get into June, July, August, September, it'll be triple digits every day. Uh, you can't hike through this terrain uh, very long if you're not in physically good condition and have supplies and know where you're going. If you get lost out there for more than a few days, you're probably going to die. And that's what happens uh, in, in Brooks County alone so far this year. They've, they've recovered 34 bodies of migrants on ranch land. And that's, uh, that's as many as they had all of last year. And they're sort of, you know, the sheriff and other law enforcement folks there tell me they're on track, um, you know, if things continue because the most uh, busiest months for them are, of course, the summer that we're on track, you know, they have a record year of people dying on Brooks County ranches trying to hike around this Border Patrol checkpoint. And ranchers find remains. They, they, they find, you know, they get 911 calls of people who are lost and in, in distress. Border Patrol's constantly rescuing people off ranch lands there. Uh, and, of course, you know, the people who, who don't uh, get lost sometimes steal a truck and break through a bunch of fences or there's high-speed chases and bailouts through the middle of town. Uh, it's crazy down there, and people have no idea what's going on. Uh, the media don't seem to have a lot of interest in it. It seems like a pretty good <laughs> story for somebody. It is a good story. It's a good story. TV story. Uh, <laughs> it is. It's a crazy story. Uh, you know, when you go down to this place, you would think that the two main industries there are ranching and law enforcement. There's law enforcement everywhere down there. But what they're up against is a highly organized network system. You know, the cartels in Mexico just are not something that is just in Mexico. It reaches into the United States because these people, once they get above the checkpoint, they're getting picked up on Highway, you know, 285. Uh, and, and they're coordinating with people in Houston and in Dallas. It's a huge, huge, it, it's an industrialized black market in migrant smuggling. Um, and there's a lot of money behind it. The, the sheriff of Brooks County told me that he thinks the cartel and smuggling networks in that area have more intel and resources than he does. And, um, and nobody's interested in this story because it goes against the narrative of, of what you usually see in the media, which is families and children. And, oh, you know, these, these are poor re refugees. These are people just seeking asylum. You know, we should let them in. Well, there's a whole different story going on. That, that, that the main story here is that there are men trying to get into the country and evade law enforcement so they can work. Now, if these men get in, uh do they do they figure out some way to do they try to figure out some way to send for their families if they have families back in Mexico or are they just gone from the, their families and that's it and they, as long as they survive in the United States they stay here. Uh, oftentimes they they do bring their families with them. Uh, oftentimes their families or some some family members are already here and that's the network that they're kind of plugging into. Uh, you know you don't you don't sell everything you have and put yourself in the care of a, of a cartel associated smuggler unless you already have something lined up. So most of these guys already have jobs lined up. They already know where they're going. They already have family or friends or some kind of a network in the United States already. And many of them, once they get established here, will then you know with their their new income, they can afford to hire a smuggler to bring their, their children uh, or maybe their spouse over. So a lot of these unaccompanied minors that are showing up at the border, the parents aren't sending them. They're sending for them. In other words, their parents are here already, and they've hired smugglers to bring the children across unaccompanied. And then, um, you know, the, 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 the HHS uh, and the ORR contact the parents because the child has the number on them. They contact the parents who are in the U.S. and then release the child to the parents who are in the U.S. That's what's, that's what's happening. It's happening a lot more than people realize. We're talking to John Daniel Davidson. He's the political editor at The Federalist. You can see his piece uh, up at thefederalist.com. Um, and uh, the story is in Falfurious, Texas. I guess I'm pronouncing that right. Um, That's pretty good. 
why, if, as you were told, this is considered the worst possible place to start, because you described, you know, the, 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 the conditions uh, on the ground and the, and the weather and everything, and you were told this is the worst possible place that you could start if you wanted to go from the crossing the border to get inland into Texas. Why are so many people starting there? Uh, you know, one of the reasons they're starting there is because the smuggling networks in Mexico, um, you know, the, the crossing point is in the Rio Grande Valley, which, has, as I said, is about 70 miles south of Brooks County. So the, the, cross, the crossing over the international border, uh, if you just head due north from there, once you're across the Rio Grande, you're going to end up in Brooks County. Uh, and so it's, it's the most direct route to get to where an inland border patrol checkpoint is and then get around it. And once you're around it, then you're home free. Then, then you can, then you can go to Dallas or Houston and from there on to wherever it is in the country that you're going. But the reason Brooks County is such a harsh place is because everything has thorns. Everything has venom. Uh, everything there is designed to hurt you. This, the, the soil is this sandy, you know, cause Brooks County is only about 30 miles from the Gulf. Gulf Coast. So it's this sandy soil. It's very difficult to walk through. Uh, as I mentioned, the, the temperatures are very, very high in the summer. It's, very, it's already very hot there. Uh, and the other thing is that when you're on this kind of uh, ranch land, these vast ranches, some of these ranches, you know, the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of acres of nothing but the same kind of flat scrubland, it's very easy to get lost and to get disoriented. There's, there's not a lot of landmarkers. There's not a lot of roads. And so it's easy to get lost out there. It's easy for people who aren't in really good shape to get bogged down, to get heat stroke, to get fatigued, to get start going the wrong way. And you don't have to go the wrong way for very long before you're in real trouble. Well, what's it like for the ranchers who live there um, who know that there's some pretty desperate people coming through? Um, are they have to, are yeah. constantly on guard? Are they, they, they walking around with their guns uh, drawn <laughs> and ready to fight? Yeah, the ranchers have been dealing with this for a long time. Some of these ranches are more than a century old, um, and they've been in the same families uh, for a long time. So the ranchers there that I talked to, they, they've this isn't a new problem for them, but they say it has changed over the years. It used to be um, that, you know, it, it was a manage, manageable number of people coming through and, and that a lot of the folks coming through were, were very respectful uh, and didn't cause any trouble. Nothing like sort of the industrial scale organized kind of units that are coming through now. Um, sort of, you know, mass numbers of small groups that are coordinating with one another that are plugged into GPS that are talking to one another where one group will go and divert law enforcement so another group can go over here. It's sort of a highly organized um, you know, operational, strategically organized operation. And, um, and, and the, the other difference is the damage. So a lot of um, jacking cars, tractors, trucks, and blowing through fences and gates, you know, causing thousands, tens of thousands of dollars of damage for these ranchers that have to immediately repair their gates and fences. Um, and then, of course, the high-speed chases when law enforcement does uh, does catch up with them. High-speed chase through town and then what they call bailouts, where uh, an SUV with a dozen people in it will, you know, skid off the road and slam into the brush and all the doors open and everybody jumps out and scatters and runs, right? And the law enforcement can only get a few of them. That happens all the time. And we've seen in the news over the past couple months, you know, cases where there's high-speed chases that end in tragedy and, uh, you know, uh, you know, car crashes that, you know, kill almost everybody right. inside. So that happens too. Now, uh, as I said at the beginning here, uh, up here in Western PA, um, we, and, and most of the country, we hear about uh, immigration. We see stories on uh, on the news. We read about it online. We see you know videos. We see, and it looks bad. But um, how much different would it be if more people than the people on the border of Texas and Mexico had to deal with what's being dealt with down there? Uh, if, if if people in Pennsylvania were having to deal with it, and people in uh, Nebraska. It'd be a national. It would be all anyone talked about. If if yeah. if uh, other if other parts of the country had to deal with what these South Texas communities had to deal with, that's all. That, that would be the number one issue in the country. Um, but in a way, you know, it should be the number one issue in the country because I guarantee you, some of these people that evade law enforcement in Brooks County are on their way to Western Pennsylvania, uh, and and yeah. and all other parts of the country. That's for sure. 
I think the numbers. I think the numbers actually here are very low for for uh, immigrants uh, coming into Western PA and into Pittsburgh. But uh, it just occurred to me that you know, listening to what and you went there and you 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 checked this out. That's why it's a really good story. You uh, you're an eyewitness to some of this stuff. Uh, people just have no idea, do they? I mean, uh, it's you see it for a minute and a half on uh, on whatever news channel you decide to watch, and you forget about it. But that's not the case if you well, live down there and fell furious. That's right, and it, it's easy for national news organizations to send a camera crew right down to the border, to where the wall is, and to where you know the um, makeshift processing centers are, where border patrol is inundated with families and and children turning themselves in and get really dramatic footage. But that's only half the story. In fact, it's not even half the story. It's only about a third of the story. The other two thirds of the story are happening in these other communities uh, where law enforcement is totally inundated and overwhelmed by, uh, by cartel associated smuggling networks. There's people and drugs coming north and there's guns and cash going south. And it's a non-stop, highly organized thing that's happening. You know, you go, you drive down highway, U.S. Highway 281 in Brooks County, and right now there's something called Operation Lone Star, which the governor of Texas ordered. And about every mile, you'll see a state trooper. It's, it's a massive stakeout. Hundreds and hundreds of state troopers have been deployed across this one county to try to interdict drugs and people coming north and guns and cash going south. And and it's just a drop in the bucket. They are, they, as far as much resources have been deployed there, they are completely uh, out outmanned. I got about thirty seconds uh, with John Daniel Davis. So what? What? So what do you? I mean, what could be done? How's it? How's it going? When's it going to stop? How's it stop? Well, the ranchers and the law enforcement folks that I talked to said that there was a market change as soon as Biden took office and revoked a lot of the Trump era uh, border policies. It starts at the border, you know. Um, and 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 really, you could end this overnight, you know, uh, just with with policy. You could shut the border down as Trump did, um, you know, whether you think that's a good idea or not, or has other consequences or not. Um, you could stop this, um, but you know, obviously, I, I don't think the Biden administration wants to. Hey, John, it's always good to have you on. It's a great story uh, at thefederalist.com. You can check it out. Uh, it's really detailed and pretty scary stuff going on down there. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Okay, that's John Daniel Davidson, and we will be right back. With PatriotSoftware.com, accounting and payroll, keep your time and Mike Kappel here, serial entrepreneur with words from another happy payroll customer. Well, it's very easy to use from the login and the setup was extremely easy. I didn't have to call anyone for help. I was able to do it on my own. And I love the fact that I can run my payroll and print my pay stubs. And then you guys do all of the filing for me. So I get a quarterly report that everything's been filed on my behalf. And then at the end of the year, I can print out my W-2s. So I use you guys. I tell everybody, it's the easiest thing I've ever done. Why anybody doesn't use y'all, I don't know. Visit us at PatriotSoftware.com. Use promo code RADIO and get two months of payroll free. That's PatriotSoftware.com. With PatriotSoftware.com, accounting and payroll, keep your time and money. By now, you've all heard me talk about my pillow and how it's literally changed my life. They won't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want, and they maintain their shape. They're made in the USA, and for a limited time, Mike is offering his premium My Pillows for his lowest price ever. You can get a queen size premium My Pillow for twenty nine ninety eight. That's regularly sixty nine ninety eight. That's a forty dollars savings. Kings are only five dollars more. All My Pillow products come with a ten year warranty and a sixty day money back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code STAG. You will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets. Or call 800-716-8087 and use promo code STAG. 800-716-8087, promo code STAG. Through generations of fighting, anger, and pain, 
The Israeli-Palestinian conflict is still one of the most contentious and misunderstood issues of our time. Raising the question, is it possible to truly love your enemy? In the new film, Hope in the Holy Land, filmmaker Todd Moorhead discovers the truth behind the headlines and misinformation with personal stories from Jews, Muslims, and Christians in their own words, offering a beautifully produced, politically nuanced, and morally sensitive look at both sides of the conflict. Bishop Kenneth Ulmer says the movie is embarrassingly enlightening. Ambassador Michael Oren calls it a candid, courageous journey through the complexities of the conflict. Hope in the Holy Land takes an honest look at the history and history in the making as you've never seen before. Don't miss Hope in the Holy Land. Available now at SalemNow.com. Watch this film and pass it on. Go to SalemNow.com today. 2021 is the perfect time to add a healthy new habit to your daily wellness routine. Good nasal hygiene. We all know there's bad stuff in the air, allergens, bacteria, viruses, and that some of it's very dangerous. So what can you do to protect yourself? Well, you can clean your nose with Navage. Your nose is the body's air filter, and with Navage, you help your body defend itself by flushing out the crud and germs. I'm Martin Hoke, and I invented Navage, the world's only nose cleaner with powered suction. Navage is easy to use, affordable, and it has over 40,000 online reviews, averaging 4.7 stars. Join millions of Navage users to relieve congestion and allergies, breathe better, sleep deeper, snore less, and feel healthier without drugs. At Navage.com, CVS, Walgreens, Bed Bath, Target, and Rite Aid. You wash your hands and brush your teeth every day. Let 2021 be the year you start cleaning your nose with Navage. N-A-V-A-G-E. Clean nose, healthy life. Navage. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Well, I guess I should use this last minute and a half or so to talk a little bit about what happened last night to the Penguins. Uh, still being a sports guy, I, uh, I watched the game and... I couldn't believe that the uh, that Jari was not yanked out of the game. I don't care if the backup goaltender, uh, I don't care if you put the equipment manager in to play goal uh, to play in goal. Uh, Jari was um, he melted down. It was obvious he, he he was he was helpless in goal. He he was fighting himself, fighting the puck, and uh, the Penguins lose. But here's my question: Everybody's blaming everything on the goaltender. Uh, which I think is unfair, even though, the, even though he did melt down and he was the main reason last night. They're blaming everything on the goaltender. If it was the goaltender that 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 is to blame for what happened in the series, then why is there talk about blowing the team up? Just get a new goaltender. I mean, if if the team would have won with a better goaltender and would be advancing to the next series against the Bruins. If there had been a goaltender other than uh, Tristan Jari in there, then why? what's the problem with the team? It's the goaltender. Get a new goaltender. Uh, here's the reason. That ain't the, that ain't the only problem. There are other things. There will be some major changes uh, to the Penguins, but it's pretty frustrating to watch and sad and, and all that stuff. And uh, uh, I guess, you know, see you in October. That's the end of that. Now we have the Pirates. Uh, to watch for the rest of the summer. They're going to lose 110 games. Where do you see the play that they were involved in today? Check it out tonight. It's a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.